The Money Show. Shapeshifters. Shapeshifters brought to you by Lula Lend. It's fast, easy. Lula to get up to 5 million rand in business funding in 24 hours. Apply online at lulalend.co.za. Biwe, how long have you been brewing for? Hi, hi, Bruce. Um, I've been making beer since 2008, actually. Okay, and and where were you brewing? Because uh, Tolokazi is what a twenty nineteen startup. What were yes. you doing before Tolokazi? So I actually used to work for South African breweries. So uh-huh. that's where I trained to become a brewer and a brewmaster. Talk to me about that time at SA Breweries, because I mean SA Breweries has created so many wonderful careers over the decades. What were you doing at SAB? What were you brewing? What were you learning? So when I joined the company, I actually joined through the graduate recruitment program and I trained, my training was mainly on the big four brands, uh, Black Label Hansa, Castle Light and Castle. And um, in 2011, after moving up in the company, I was introduced to the world of craft beer um, and the and how how wide that world is and what was happening globally. And that's actually led to me leaving the company in 2015 and being on my own. Okay, but I mean, you know, in most businesses, and I mean, I'm not suggesting that you're nearly this age. I have no idea how old you are. But most uh, most startups are <laughs> in South Africa are by people in their early 40s, people who've gone into the corporate sector, people who have, who have learned to trade, learned some skills, uh, and have found a gap in the market and have gone, you know what, there's a gap I need to exploit. Um, and you followed that classic path, I suppose, of going in and doing the work. Did you actually get to brew the beers at SAB? Because my impression of SAB certainly in those days, is they were quite precious about who they allowed anywhere near the recipes. Yes, um, actually when I I was um, the craft brewer specialist within the company, I was uh, allowed to create my own uh, recipes. So I used to brew for festivals. Um, The October 1st, the big one that the company used to run with Spa, which was in Durban, Cape Town and uh, Joburg. I actually created those recipes. So I was uh, I was quite fortunate um, to be given the freedom to create. But in terms of the main brands, um, yes, I had access to the recipes. I, I mm-hmm. yeah, And I was able to brew them. But doesn't mean my beer is the same. No. Just, I mean, just, uh, so, a disclaimer, just a disclaimer. Uh, absolutely. And we're going to get to the differentiator now because I, was ta- I remember having a conversation with somebody in the early stages of craft brewing and say, people saying, everyone's trying to make castle lager. What on earth is the point of that? And you're doing something so far removed from castle lager. What was interesting about the days of Graham Mackay and Maya Khan at SAB was this desire to make commercial beer more affordable across the African continent. And I think SAB mm. was the first company to produce a, sorg- a sorghum-based clear beer in a bottle. So taking sort of the, the yes. tradition of sorghum brewing across the continent and putting that into into a bottle and, and commercializing it. And uh, you use sorghum as a key ingredient in your brewing too. Yes. So actually, um, in some of the of the African countries, um, the, the, the laws uh, require that um, if you use local ingredients, your, 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 your taxes, uh, you get a rebate on your taxes. So that's one of the reasons why actually there was a lot of work that went into creating um, the sorghum-based clear beer, um, which obviously also appeals to the locals. Uh, for me, it it is also, for me it was more to, you know, to to make sure that we don't lose our African brewing culture 
and looking at how do I combine the the clear or Western beer making with the traditional African beer making. What was the catalyst? What was the motivation for you to get into brewing? Was it, have you got a, a long history of beer brewing? You, certainly, you come from the Eastern Cape, which has got a long and proud history yes. of brewing. Uh, in, actually, it was more the science for me. So I I, I, I enjoyed, um, back back in high school, I enjoyed uh, biologies and sciences. And that's how I actually got to study microbiology. And um, through searching which companies I could work for, um, SAB was at the top of that list. And that's how I got to the company. So it was not from the love of beer or drinking it or anything like that. But uh, through the years, I've actually got it. I've fallen in love with the science and um, and the art of, of beer making, and which is something that I'm using now, you know, more the art, uh, the art of creating different beers that beer making is not... Um, just one-dimensional. There is so much more to it. Uh, and, and it's deeply complex, and so much can go wrong in the process as well, and things yes. explode, and it gets a bit, it gets a bit messy. <laughs> um, 2015, you leave SAB. What happens to you between 2015 and 2019 when Tolokazi is officially launched? So when I left SAB, uh, for me, at that time, I actually started a company called Brewhogs, which is still in uh, in Kailami. Got into a partnership where we started the brewery because I didn't have money to actually go from SAB straight into launching my own Because uh, it's expensive, brewery. isn't it? I mean, the, the equipment you need, expensive. especially for scale, is huge. Yes. Yes, it is quite expensive. So, but when I left, I also started my own company called Brewster's Craft, um, where initially the focus was on consulting and training and helping, because um, I had the science. I was already a brewmaster by then. Um, also, I was helping other entrepreneurs who wanted to get into the beer space, help them develop their recipes, help them, you know, put together their business plans and an end. Uh, fast forward 2017, I then also applied for a funding um, to open up my own brewery, which um, I got through the IDC. And, um, and I started in 20, 2019 at the same time when I started Tolokaz. Okay. Now, it all goes quite pear-shaped quite quickly, unfortunately, because no sooner yeah. does 2020 come around than we <laughs> yeah. get COVID and government in its wisdom not only bans cigarettes and creates a whole new black market in, in smoking tobacco and cigarettes as we found from the Supreme Court yesterday um, that that was mm. unconstitutional but they also shut down any kind of access to alcohol and of course you're in the beginning stages of a startup you've got millions invested in this new project yeah. and suddenly you can't do a blimmin' thing Yes, uh, yeah, you are putting it very lightly. It was, it was, uh, yeah, the worst time. We, we, when when COVID happened, or when we had the lockdown in March 2020, um, the brewery was about seven months in operation. We just started to pick up. I just obviously employed more people, getting ready for the new year, getting ready for to really, you know, push volumes out of the brewery and really push the brand. Uh, so when when we had the lockdown and the alcohol bans, it it made things very very difficult. Um, and I, and sadly for me, you know, the my funders were not willing to listen in terms of like loan restructuring and and giving some um, payment breaks. So it was a very very stressful time where 
in the midst of the alcohol bans, I had debit orders that were going through without obviously bouncing um, and couldn't pay salaries, couldn't pay rent. Yeah, it was a very stressful time. How did you survive? Uh, yeah, I still ask myself. It's one of those things where when you're going through something, for me it was like, you know, every day I just need to just keep moving. I need to just keep flow afloat. Um, um, one of the key things I looked at was uh, maybe converting the brewery to making sanitizers at the, at the very beginning of the lockdowns. Uh, went through that research but found out that it's not as easy because um, beer is about 5-6% alcohol, yeah, whereas exactly. then if you're looking for alcohol for sanitizers, you're looking at obviously like your 70 plus and the machinery and everything else is not exactly the same. Then I looked at, um, I launched a non-alcoholic beer when, um, during the times when we are allowed to have some sort of trade. Uh, I looked at packing sanitizers, turning my packaging plant into packing sanitizers. So I think, I mean, there's so many things that I tried. So every day for me, it was like, okay, what else can I try? This didn't work out. What else can I try? Can I, I just need to have enough money just to, you know, see next month and um, apply for the URAFs and everything else that I think everyone else was at that time trying to do. And yeah, somehow I'm still here. There was a small breakthrough. I don't know if it had a huge impact on you, but it must have given you some hope. You were contacted by a beer subscription service in the United Kingdom. Um, and you had Tolokazi brewed, at least one batch, I don't know how many batches, how many bottles, how many hectoliters, brewed in, was the Czech Republic or Poland, and distributed um, as part of these this beer subscription service in the United Kingdom. It was a lovely story. Yes, um, you know, when when the, um, I actually met the the CEO of the company on LinkedIn because I was quite um, vocal on social media about, you know, what I was going through and what was happening. And uh, he happened to be one of my connections and he sent me a message to say, you know what, um, what can you do to help? Um, they run the subscription program where they source beers from across the world and they send it to their members. Would I be interested in something like that, you know? was not a lot of money but you know we we talked through it um and i said okay yeah let's, after a few meetings obviously um we 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 decided to go for it um one of the key challenges was obviously to brew bi south africa and send it to uk when i didn't have money it it was out of the way then we looked at um they actually helped me find a brewery we found a brewery in croatia who was willing croatia. to help brew the beer Yes, and um, and then they were able to distribute that through their members. The beer was sold out, which was very good. Uh, very great reviews. Um, people loved um, the brand story. They loved the beer taste. I actually I did the sorghum pilsner. So it's a pilsner style beer that uses mm -hmm. um, a bit of sorghum malt. So it was quite a interesting brew for, for that market. Now, absolutely. And it's an adventurous market. It's a market that gets, I don't know, six beers every month or whatever the case is. Um, and they get these weird and wonderful things. They try them out. If they want them more, they, they buy more. And, and that must have been a yes. welcome distraction. It's not gonna, it wasn't going to make you rich and it wasn't going to sort you out. But you survived COVID and the lockdowns and everything else. And you've rebounded with an astonishing array of brews from beers to ciders to, I mean, you've even got a pineapple cider in here somewhere. Yes. Yeah, that was that was um, 
looking that that was inspired by the lockdowns so one of the good things that came exactly. out of that ordeal <laughs> <laughs> um yeah looking at what people were doing with the pineapple beer i was like you know what i can do this better let me just show them how it's done <laughs> um and um so that's a that's a line that i'm still uh, continuing uh, selling at the moment and then i have a, a rooibos and berry cider and then i've got an african pale ale so my my range is very much african inspired and telling our our story as african brewers and and the and our available ingredients within the continent and uh, i mean how are you doing financially i mean i don't need a balance sheet but it's just a, a case of are you <laughs> on are you are you back on your feet are you do you feel like i'm alive you you have a pulse which is good <laughs> but yes <laughs> is is your bank manager still talking to you in a nice way <laughs> <laughs> um you know for uh, for the past since uh, we closed I closed a brewery in um it was around this time actually last year uh because after the the everything that was happening I just could not keep going and uh, for my own mental health I just decided you know let me remove myself from from that stress and decided to focus on Dolokazi and rebuilding the brand and i think from that it opened up all these great opportunities and from the from the br52 conversations i mean i've had other people in what distributors in the in europe who had reached out to say you know what we would love to have your brand here i've had people reach out from the us so for me it actually that opened me up to the global and the potential that Dolokazi has not only in south africa but globally and back home you know i've had discussions with the, some of the big retailers who were interested in stocking the product so the good that came out of um of that ordeal was you know personally just seeing the potential for the brand and being able to at this point in time uh, start thinking clearer to say how do i now obviously move forward forget what has happened it was it happened but it probably had to happen for some reason uh, so I need to figure out what that reason was <laughs> but you know how do I exactly. move forward um and 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 um, grow Dolokazi make it a global brand I mean pe- people have been, were broken by covid many many businesses died people have had you know terrible ailments and illnesses as a result of the stress coming from from the, from lockdowns and mm. you've you've soldiered on through it uh, as you've gone through the, the, where is your distribution now primarily i mean how are you getting Dolokazi to market so at the moment i have been focusing on events uh, and festivals mm-hmm. and then i am distributing around Gauteng um also i've because uh, i'm from like i said earlier from the eastern cape so the brand has some interest in the eastern cape and the western cape so those are my key focus um provinces in south africa at the moment and obviously because i'm currently self funding the project um and but i am looking at bringing in investors will help me you know have more reach across the country there's a lot of interest from even like zambia rwanda so i am also exploring um taking the brand to the continent also and and how would you do it would you do it on a contract brewing basis or would you actually export the physical beer because unfortunately I mean, just the cost of exporting anything nowadays has gone through the roof and bottles are heavy and beer is heavy and there's a shelf life associated with the product too. Yes. Yes. um, Yeah, I will will look. I mean, I think closer to South Africa, it would probably be easier to um, to, to, to distribute. But um, I think when you start going, moving further away from South Africa, then 
um, contract manufacturing. But, you know, the, one of the other big problems is obviously in some parts of the continent, especially, there isn't many small breweries that I could contract with. Uh, so I still need to figure out the best way. But, you know, looking at outside of South Africa, I'm actually going to, I've got a trip to the UK now in August where I've got a meeting with the BF52 team to try and oh, look fantastic. at how do we um, make the relationship more long-term because that was one um, month subscription. But for me, I wanted to see one of the key things when I talk to them is how do we make it more long-term, more sustainable. And then I've got meetings with some breweries in London who are interested in helping brew the product that side for distribution. It's, it's so exciting, isn't it? I mean, yes, you've been through extraordinary hardship, but it's open doors that would have taken probably a decade to open otherwise yes. by virtue of the fact that you were put under extraordinary, extraordinary uh, duress. And when it comes to um, partners and funders and all of that sort of stuff, you say that you're doing it all yourself right now. Is there much interest? Is there private equity interest? Are there investors who are knocking on your door and saying, let's talk about this? Or are you kind of playing this one a bit more carefully this time? Yes, I am. Uh, yeah, I think, you know, you once you've had burnt your fingers, you, you tend to be obviously more careful. But uh, for me, you know, for the past few months, um, being able to do what I could do on my own on the brand, I think I've had investors, potential investors who are, who've been watching what I've been doing and obviously seeing the potential that the brand has. And, and having been able to get to this far on my own, I think any investor, when they when they look at that and what you know what then their money could could uh, help amplify the work that I've been doing, um, yeah. So there's quite some there's a few interested parties that I'm currently talking to. Uh, how protective are you over the IP? I mean, I think one of the greatest survival mechanisms in, is absolutely ensuring that you nail down the recipes, nail down, of course, uh, your rights when it comes to the protections of what you've created. Um, so we don't, uh, we can't patent the recipe, um, unfortunately, because that's, let's say, the brewing process is a process that has been around for for centuries. Uh, mm-hmm. But However, we, obviously the trademarks, the, the brand itself is trademarked. Um, and, um, and, you know, the, the, and the, for me, the more the brand story that, you know, the, beer, the beers that I make have their own unique, uniqueness that um, and the next person can't really, you could try to replicate, but it will not be the same. So, yeah. Brands are critical. I wish you luck with it and good luck with the trip to England and to uh, doing a deal with Beer52 and other potential brewers in the United Kingdom as well. Apiwe Musani Mawela, entrepreneur, the founder of Tolokazi Premium Beer and Cider. Um, it's a harrowing, harrowing story, but it's also a story of overcoming extraordinary difficulty and enormous challenges and very nearly being crushed by COVID, but not and coming out the other side with contacts and with skills and with the ability to be astonishingly, astonishingly tough and resilient.